Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 184, with Cameron Stoker from SpeechCloud, uh, doing really great work augmenting learning experiences for both faculty and students, uh, optimizing their time and efficiency to be able to focus on what matters, more tangible kind of learning experiences, and uh, just kind of getting technology out of the way uh, in the classroom. So uh, really appreciate the work that uh, Cameron and his team are doing. Appreciate them reaching out to be on the show. Uh, always kind of fair game to kind of jump in the mix and uh, offer to be a guest. Uh, always do appreciate that. With some other housekeeping stuff, please do leave a review for the show. It really does help us out to make sure that more folks discover what we're talking about here. Also make sure to sign up for our mailing list that will get more of the uh, Hired Geek podcast into your inbox uh, when new episodes are posting. So uh, please do find that on the show notes page for this episode uh, on the Enrollify podcast network. Uh, but without further ado, this is episode number 184 with Cameron Stoker. We are here for a conversation uh, where I will be learning just like our audience. Uh, I am very grateful for the opportunity to talk uh, about a company that is uh, new to me in this higher education technology space, helping to enhance the experience, uh, particularly of faculty members or anybody that's creating learning experiences for students. So that's always something that's kind of a you know great thing in my book of sort of how can we kind of have high tech and high touch working really well together. So excited to have this conversation. We will start it as we always do, having our guests introduce themselves and give a brief overview of their professional background and how they got to be where they are today. I'm Cameron, by the way. My background was actually at Google. I did data science and, and sales ops, so I was more on the tech side. And and kind of the reason why I got into what we're doing now and got into doing SpeechCloud was was more by accident. We actually, you know, we didn't intend to start a company. My, my story goes as I had quit Google to finally come back and finish my undergraduate degree. I had dropped out. And when I had come back... I, I had ran into this girl in one of my classes who was hard of hearing and she really struggled to follow along in class, right? By nature of the technology was provided and a lot of the services provided that were there to help her. She it made her either stand out or just weren't, weren't that great. And so that's that was actually the beginning was seeing the struggle of students specifically with accessibility, how speech cloud started. And, and it really actually started as a as a, as a project, we, they had a hackathon promoted. We built the beginning of speech cloud in, you know, 36 hours straight to give this, what was at the time, a simple transcription software that would transcribe what was being said by the professor and then send it to, uh, her, her name was Amy, Amy's phone. So she could follow along. And so that, that was kind of how we started. It was, that's kind of th what we thought would be the end of it all. But then it ended up being, we had a bunch more students asking for it. Um, a bunch more people saying like, Hey, we struggle too. Can we use it? And, and that's kind of, that was the beginning. So that's how speech cloud started. And, and we saw that there was this need and, and potentially this, this, uh, opportunity from a business standpoint to be specifically a product to help students with disabilities. So that's, that's kind of how we started and where, where we began. Well, that's a very kind of wholesome origin story. Like as some people, it's like, oh, I'm scratching my own itch. But even just seeing someone that you care about struggling, especially in a learning environment, it's like, well, we should always be doing as much as we can. You know, there's obviously a lot of offices and professionals committed to it on campus, but just, you know, trying to kind of pre precisely hit that target of like, okay, I've kind of got like a very clear equation of like, I'm having trouble understanding, you know, lectures and those sort of things. You know, how can I get what I need more easily not to almost like, you know, 
burden anyone else, but it's like it really should be something that is is provided and readily available to any and all students who want it, especially the ones who like kind of absolutely require it to be able to kind of have, you know, sort of a level playing field and everything. And I guess it's interesting, for, like, you know, if almost like the story was reversed, you know, I wonder if the origin story would have been the same of like having worked at Google and coming back and maybe seeing kind of just like the potential of being able to build even sort of simple technology to kind of like get that you know, minimally viable product out there and see like, wow, this student, you know, that I was kind of building it for a very clear use case, found it super helpful. And then that almost like word of mouth kind of growing from there. So that is, uh, that's really interesting. And I uh, imagine now, you know, uh, over the past several years, like, you know, it's definitely grown from there. I know, I know it does a lot more, but um, if you want to kind of like try to capture, you know, kind of capture as much as you can of just sort of all the nuts and bolts of what speech cloud does now uh, as you've kind of built it up. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does a lot more than what I just described. The, the sad reality, and, and this is, this is the nature of you start learning about technology is speech cloud in its first iteration, right? As, as I just described it as a transcription product, you know, this platform that helps students with disabilities, whether it was you know, helping them take notes or helping students that were hard of hearing follow along. The problem with that is isn't necessarily right the institution or any of this. It's there's there's a lack of funds and accessibility. So that's that's problem number one. Right? Problem number two is when you build a product that is solving a social value, like we were, if you're not providing what we call economic value, right, some kind of value to the business that provides them, you know, with more money, saves money, whatever it is, many times that's not going to have long-term effect or adoption, right? And we didn't know this, of course, but this this is really important to understand for anybody that's in ed tech is you have to build a product when when you provide this great social value like we were, you also have to provide some kind of economic value that benefits the institution and or the adopters like the professors. And and so we actually, all this was happening prior to COVID and prior to the pandemic. And so when the pandemic hit, there was no need for a product that helps students learn better in class because nobody's in class right and so any schools that had begun using us completely you know dropped us off and you know again with good reason back to the point i just made and so we ended up saying hey there's this huge shift in education we need to make sure we're providing value for the institution and to the professor if we're going to be able to provide what we're you know we call universal accessibility for students and so to actually make legitimate change, you have to make change higher up, right? And so we end up talking to hundreds, if not, you know, now thousands of teachers found out during the pandemic, teachers hated using Zoom. They just wanted to show up and teach in a brick and mortar class the majority of the time, right? And teach like they did pre-COVID and pre-pandemic. And so we saw this and we saw, you know, all these needs in the institution. And so we went on to build what Speech Cloud is today, which is a multifaceted, suite of tools that basically has the goal and the desire to help teachers to just show up in a physical classroom, click a button. And what we do is we do all the work of capturing the class. So recording the video, the audio, we transcribe every word being said. So we archive the classroom experience. So the teacher just shows up, clicks a button. We do all the work of archiving it so they can focus on teaching. In addition, we also found that teachers, you know, use tons of tools so they're playing IT, they're using five different tools to teach their class. So we took all these tools and put it into Speech Cloud. So quizzes, polls, you know, 
discussion tools, everything into speech cloud so they could have all the engagement tools they need in one place. And then we found that, you know, teachers also want to be able to help their students. They want to have a keep a pulse on student success. And so we started doing tracking attendance. We track student disengagement. So if they're you know, going on Facebook, they're going on platforms, you know, you know, we know, right. And, and we also track stuff like comprehension. And, and so the idea is we help professors just get back to teaching the way they want to teach in person, but still providing that online element, that value to students while also giving teachers all the tools to engage students and keep, keep a, you know, a pulse on student learning. So that's what speech cloud is today. There's it's a multifaceted tool, as I said before, but the reason why it's valuable now is students are able to have, you know, universal accessibility, have access to their education and teachers are able to have, you know, the way they want, you know, have that experience with where they teach in a brick and mortar class, get back to all of that. So that that's kind of the, what speech scholar is today and kind of the evolution of, of why it is the way it is. The core tenet of what I think about a lot with technology is like, and I guess it has a couple of different sort of wrinkles to it, but like one, like good technology should almost like get out of your way. Like it shouldn't feel sort of like, you know, burdensome in the way of, it, you know, requires almost like, hold on everybody. Like, let me just like focus solely on this or whatever. But then like any points of friction, you know, people are going to like bail out or like they're, they're obviously going to be incentivized or sort of, you know, uh, gravitate towards like what's easy or seamless or sort of integrated. And while there's a lot of, I think, benefit from a sort of like single function tool where it's like, hey, we just do this one thing and we do it really well. But it's like, well, you know, I'm going to have to like, you know, jump into five different platforms to do five different things. Like, I think we're getting to a point where we saw that sort of apex of ed tech and we're wanting to sort of like bring everything together and have it be, you know, Certainly, like with what you're doing, kind of like a more clear bounds for pretty much the entirety of like the classroom learning experience, uh, which is sort of complex. It's dynamic. You know, there's a lot to it. So you do need to kind of plug in all those different pieces to make sure that you are having it all be, you know, automated, you know, as, as much automated as possible, as easy as possible. Because, you know, I think on the teacher side, yeah, like if it's clunky trying to track attendance or something like that, like, they're probably just not going to do it or only do it if it's just like, wait, have, like, is this person been in class for a while? And like, they might kind of try to backtrack to like for one particular sort of like instance or something. But, um, and then, yeah, like for students, like they'll sort of like go off task or get distracted because it's like, it's, that's super easy to do. And oh, yeah. teachers can't really easily track that. So if they can kind of create some sort of structure to, you know, and I guess it's like, you know it makes you think of like big brother but it's almost like a like a like a good big brother of just you know they're kind of like looking over your shoulder and being like hey man pay, pay attention like come on um you know like it's just like they're looking out for you looking out for your best interest like you know you're a student who signed up for this course and you want to learn and you want to achieve your goal. like so it's kind of like you have to like snap out of it because it's just like no like social media and all these things have like such a grip on our brain so it's like good to kind of have something that sort of checks yourself and just being like oh my gosh like yes let me like I need to, you know, do whatever, or even for the faculty member, if it's just like, okay, like I'm losing people here. Like I, I might oh, yeah. need to pivot or make an adjustment either like in the moment or, you know, uh, in the future for the course of just sort of presenting the information in a different way. So I think that's sort of just where my mind is going. And it's good, obviously good on you for just understanding where it's like, okay, we do need to at least kind of give a decent spread, you know, here versus like just being like an attendance tracking tool or something. It's like, that'd be great. That is helpful. But like, again, totally. that value that you're giving, you have to try to get your arms around as much of the uh, kind of complexities of, of the teaching experience as you can. 
which is so complex, right? And it's getting more complex. Teachers half the time, right, are this is the common complaint was I'm playing IT while trying to teach my class. So, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept, right? As you bring up is, you know, students, it's a big brother watching over you. But what what's funny is, you know, what we always say, and teachers actually don't like this sometimes. So I think they should, but uh, the idea is that we actually take all the notes for the students, right? Cause it's transcribing every word that's being said. So I could see that some of the discomfort being like, Oh, everything I'm saying is captured, right? So, so there's discomfort in that. But the comfort that I always say in return is like, students now can just focus on you. They're not trying to transcribe everything you're saying. And the beauty is like the transcription, the recording, it's all combined. So the like you say, hey, this is going to be on the test. The student can, after class, type in the search bar. This is going to be on the test and go find every time you said it and go rewatch that, right? And so, so what we try to argue for when teachers say, hey, you know, I feel uncomfortable about that. It's like, totally get it. Uh, but the value to students is is just is huge, and, and students love it because you know it's like watching YouTube. I don't learn how to change my oil watching it one time, right? I, I learn how to do it watching five, ten, you know, fifteen times, and so that's a, kind of what our our point is. It may be a little bit uncomfortable, but you're actually providing this education that that's how people learn now, anyways. That's how we look to learn, and and I would argue is the best way to learn. So that's kind of what what the beauty is yeah it, technology gets out of your way but then it helps your, your students as well so i think that's that's the beauty of having you know maybe not zoom where you're like trying to do two audiences at once that's way too hard but focus on your main audience and then after class they get to have those still those values of online learning without like impeding that good in-person experience so mm-hmm. so i think that there's there's always give and take in all this but we're trying to find that like beautiful middle ground of in-person brick and mortar, but still with kind of those online benefits, if that makes sense. Let's play a game. What keywords does your website rank for? What doesn't it rank for that you think it should? What are a few opportunities you could be winning on if you tweaked some website copy? Okay, how'd you do? Not great? That's okay. Because our friends at DD Agency want to answer all of those questions for you and then some. DD Agency is a higher ed specific marketing technology agency that has conducted countless SEO audits for colleges and universities across the country. In these audits, they detail where you currently rank, what you could be ranking for, exactly how copies should be tweaked on website pages, and much more. If this sounds like something you could benefit from, give those folks a ping and be sure to mention that Enrollify sent you to claim a 10% discount on any of their SEO offerings. Head on over to enrollify.org slash DDASEO or simply follow the link in the show notes below that will guarantee you a 10% discount off of your audit. Again, head on over to enrollify.org slash DDASEO to learn more. Now, on to the show. Yeah, I mean, the word that I always fall back on, you know, sort of augmentation and suppl- you know, sort of supplementing what's going on and then like, you know, even just like the, the scaffolding metaphor, because it's like the idea of like, well, technology, if it's getting out of my way, it's like, where is it going? It's like, well, it's going around you to sort of like uplift you up and sort of, you know, yeah, provide those opportunities for, you know, the more 
asynchronous, you know, learning like on demand where it's like, yeah, I could watch this as many times as I need to. And like you said, for like the kind of metaphor example of like an oil change, it might be like, yeah, I watched through like two thirds of it, but then it's just that one part where it's like, wait, hold on a second. Can I see that again? Like, hold on. Like, let me like replay that back. Like, cause you're just trying to like understand the concept that is sort of eluding you. And that would be, you know, similar for, for a classroom lecture of having that that ability on your own time to watch it. Like somebody might need to watch it five times. Somebody else needs to watch it 20 times or it's different parts of it that they need to keep kind of repeating back or, you know, and that idea of like the highest benefit or sort of perk of being able to be in person with a faculty member is like, okay, like I'm actually listening to you. I'm hearing you. I can ask you questions and all that. And yeah, I don't have to feel like distracted and a scribbling being like, wait, hold on. What did you say? Like, hold on. What? Like, how do you spell that? Like, how do you like, you know, it's those sort of things that sort of like interrupt the flow. And it's either like, you know, you're doing your best to keep up with what they're saying. Um, and you're like, then you, you like miss something. Like, it's just like all those dynamics. Like it's so tough, like on both sides where the faculty member, yeah, like they feel they're not being listened to, but they're just sort of like, well, I just got to keep talking for an hour or like the student misses something. So it's like, yeah, like you're trying to kind of strive towards like the best of both worlds. You know, like you said, like sort of the, you know, the best of like an in-person teaching sort of augmented with technology which you know theoretically could also be done online and i think yeah it's a whole other point of like you know hybrid stuff where it's like well i'm simultaneously you know teaching simultaneously online and in person like that's a whole other kind of can of worms but what is it to you i guess it's almost a leading question because i feel like like i already know the answer so i want to see kind of how you come at it but like for this moment in particular like you said you know we're coming out of the pandemic which sort of even disrupted sort of how you were sort of starting and doing your work. So we're sort of coming out of this moment and we are seeing, you know, just more partially or fully online students or, you know, sort of how, you know, faculty and staff are sort of grappling with their tech stacks and, you know, what tools they're using and how they're using and all that. Like, how do you see this current moment being like especially relevant for an ed tech tool like yours as we're sort of, you know, kind of interfacing with what the future of like higher ed and teaching looks like? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. Because EdTech in the past few years has evolved and also like devolved. Like it's, it felt like Zoom was the future, but then everyone realized that it was not a great experience. So it like, we went really hard, really fast towards online. And then we started realizing like students didn't find value in, in their tuition that they're paying for doing online classes teachers were were quitting because it's just a terrible experience. So I think with that premise and why we're actually, you know, we were originally kind of saying like, yeah, we're, we're this tool for all these different modalities, you know, online in person. And we're like, no, no, no. Like everybody just wants to be in person it is that's where the most value is, but they like, they still want these aspects of online. Right. And so where I see this going and why I think we're in a great place right now is that's where teachers want to be. And that's the message they want to hear from their department heads and, you know, from their schools, like, can I just get back to teaching and enjoying teaching? And, and so that's, that's what I think what we're trying to, trying to do is be like, look, use some of our tools, use, you know, half of them, use all of them, whatever it is, but like, just get back to teaching the way you want to teach. Cause that's where we're going to have the most success. And, and there's, again, there's this weird change of like, a lot of people are saying we don't need teachers anymore where, yeah, you can watch these you know, YouTube videos, you can go through these textbooks, but I would argue it's actually the reverse. We need teachers more than ever now, but we need them more focused on the students and just the engagement and helping them learn versus just spitting 
information. And so that's that's what I would I would say is is the change in in terms of just ed tech and, and the world is just we need teachers more than ever, but we need them to be not just just saying information. We need them involved. We need them engaged. We need them helping students and, and being back in person. We more than ever we need in person learning. We can we have online learning everywhere. That and so that's that's what I feel like. I would I wish more technology was trying to push us that way versus pushes more online. So that, I think that's that's where we sit is in an, in an interesting place where the rest of the world seems to be like, no, let's go online. Well, yeah. And I mean, cause I think like the perfect thing for me is having just like, again, the best of both worlds at the right dose of everything where like, I think, right. yeah, there's sort of a notion of, well, online equals sort of like, yeah, all these different digital tools and all that. And in person is sort of just like, well, you know, it's how they did it 300 years ago. And it's like, sure. At its core, it is a subject matter expert, like passing sure. knowledge onto another human being, but you can still have that experience in a lot of different areas. Like you could have an in-person instruction really augmented both through just like, you know, how are they using sort of, you know, audio visual things in their course. And then, yeah, certainly the just kind of administration of the course and uh, those sort of things. So uh, yeah. And the idea of like for them being able to just be human and have high touch experiences, you know, you'd want, to get all of that kind of administrative kind of functions out of their way as much as possible. Um, and you know, that that's sort of the automation of kind of the menial, uh, things where they can focus their attention on, you know, uh, lever leveraging their subject matter expertise and everything. So, um, 100%. yeah, I think it, yeah, it, it really is an interesting moment because I've, as much as I love online digital education and, you know, all these tools and everything, it's like, you know, I've, I've seen in so many different ways, even for like a completely online program, they've built in opportunities to have sort of immersive in-person experiences. And that just sort of like crystallized like the connection and everything, and then made the experience better afterwards for Definitely. everybody. So it's like kind of intentionally putting in sort of pieces like that. And, you know, students would like take more of them as like electives and all that, like they would just stack up because they're like, yeah, I love being able to like, you know, watch lectures or, you know, jump into live sessions and stuff like while I'm traveling and we're, you know, I've got all this other stuff going on, but it's like, I am so focused on wanting to make sure that I have like high impact in-person practices. And it could certainly be like the inverse where it's like, Hey, occasionally, yeah, we might have an online lecture because like, you know, I'm going to a conference, you know, for faculty members or something, you know, like, totally. so it's like, you can always just sort of flip and just try to sort of leverage it versus it being kind of all or nothing one way or the other, you know, completely one way. Um, and those sort of things and just how you sort of uh, equip people with tools or like they're just tools and everything. So, um, you know, with, you know, you already kind of mentioned this a little bit. So I'm curious if you have any other sort of anecdotes about sort of the change management with, you know, institutions that you've worked with or anything, just any reflections of how you've navigated that. Cause I think it is certainly a sensitive area, you know, the teaching experience, like it feels sometimes sort of, these guarded gilded halls that again, yeah, it's like for certain institutions have been around for hundreds of years and it's just, you know, they haven't iterated on it as much as they could or should have. So yeah, just sort of your perspective on how you've navigated kind of change management in this area with institutions. Yeah. It's really fascinating, right? Because you have a good way to put it is you have tens of billions of dollars worth of infrastructure, right? You have campuses that where are they going to go? So we have all these campuses, they have infrastructure, you have hundreds of years worth of legacy of these institutions that 
much of our society is built on, right? It isn't necessarily that you're learning different material at Harvard than you are at your community college, right? It's a lot of it, it's, it's recognition and branding. And, and so with that, what's fascinating about some of these changes is some people are really realizing this, right? Like I can learn this online, right? And that's awesome. So I think what colleges and what universities really need to lean into is, is if it is all about legacy and, and you can learn right online, then you really need to maximize experience, right? You need to maximize not just the learning experience, but the college experience. And so some of that's out of our scope, right? And, and this is something that I think in ed tech in general is you need to figure out how you can help your students, you know, have more in-person experience for sure, but also like on the job experiences, you know, like and I talk about how we built speech cloud at a hackathon, like that kind of stuff. That's real learning, right? That's, that's in the moment we had, we slept on campus, you know, overnight and we just coded for 30 plus hours straight, right? We smelled, we slept on the ground, like, but that experience has literally brought me to being and learning all these incredible things. So I, what I would argue that schools really need to do if they want to not die to this huge change in ed tech is they got to figure out a way to promote incredible experiences, uh, promote better learning. That isn't just me passing off information to you right in the classroom. I think this is where they need to go. And, and so I think there's so many things we can talk about, right. From, in, in this realm, but I, I don't want to divulge, but I think that that is my opinion is what we desperately need to do. If, you know, if you're an ed tech or excuse me, if you're a, an institution, right? Like that's, that's what you really have to be, to be focused on. Yeah. And what I, I really like about that again, is to what you said of like good technology gets out of your way and everything. And really the outcome of that should be obviously any of your faculty or staff are putting their attention where it should be. And they should be honestly like freed up to have more time to do something like, like let me organize a hackathon or something where it's that really tangible application of knowledge, which, you know, should probably be, you know, passed on in a class. But then it's like, yeah, you know, like you've gone through classes, like if you're ready to try to like really have the rubber meet the road here, let's create these tangible, you know, learning experiences. But sometimes it's like, you know, we're asking a lot of people in higher ed with very little resources or bandwidth and everything. So how can we, you know, leverage our limited resources in a very intentional way to have what may, you know, very well be in looking into the future, a very lean team. How can we optimize their time to create more valuable learning experiences for students and everything? Like that's I'm sort of like connecting the dots here of just sort of like, okay, we're putting things into place that, you know, allow teachers to focus on teaching and can then hopefully parlay some freed up time to hopefully, you know, engage more with students and stuff like that. Cause I think, you know, that idea of like, well, we just got all the bright new sh shiny things and put them all in. And it's just like, okay, well now I have to like, you know, hop around to five different places to do, you know, five different things and all that. It's like, if we could just have one sort of cohesive ecosystem and all that, it just creates some efficiencies. And yeah, I just see a lot of potential of ed tech tools and hopefully like from their perspective, like they need to sort of like show their work of like, yes, like here's sort of the positive outcome of, you know, and the impact of the, you know, the dollars and such, such that you're spending on this and everything, because like that, that just feels so powerful to me of really being able to help 
institutions be able to commit more resources like time, money, people, everything towards their students? Because I think that was, yeah, like a a kind of tragic kind of sacrifice of the pandemic where people were just like, okay, I guess a bygone conclusion, like everything's just going towards Zoom and everything. And like it is like what Zoom were like, it's great. It's a great tool, but it feels like just kind of the apex of like the early 2000s, like video chatting where like, I, th- <laughs> I still think there's like a lot to be desired in terms of that. So Definitely. like, you know, we're sort of, you know, now primed for somebody to kind of disrupt Zoom in terms of like video chatting, or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm just definitely excited. Yeah. For folks, I think in ed tech who sort of get it, knowing that we should hopefully be able to just like, whether like directly or kind of like indirectly of the idea of like, okay, if we equip a faculty member with a tool like this, we can hopefully free them up to have, you know, create better experiences for students or like the tool itself helps to create better experience for students because we, you know, you know, create sort of an ecosystem where they can, you know, connect with each other or connect with sort of like, you know, groups or events or whatever else. So um, yeah, yeah no, well said. exciting time. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. It, what I would say, if you were to just kind of break down speech cloud to its base physics, it helps students and teachers be the most efficient at teaching and or learning, right? The goal is to, you know, students have lives, teachers have lives, right? Make it as efficient as possible. So that all you need to do, right? Show up and teach. Don't have all of your students coming into office hours, you know, having to relearn this stuff and, and stuff like that. Like just point them to back to class. And if they really need that help, then yeah, right. They, they come in. So I, that that is my argument because yeah I think I think speech cloud really aims to just it's it's not like we're supplementing this incredible change in in the sphere right like in sense of like like a hackathon and and really on like like hands on learning is is the best type of learning but to get them to that point you have to give them the knowledge and information prior right and so the goal is speech cloud makes you as efficient and humanly possible at learning it so then you can maximize these other experiences, right? And, and hopefully we can get into that world as, as we grow and go. And, but yeah, I definitely think you said it, said it so well, but that's the key to education, right? Is just help people learn the base information, the main information as fast as possible to then put into practice, right? That's, that's, that's real good education. And, and I think that's how you promote value as these institutions, right? Again, we can learn anything online. It's when you put things into practice that actually solidifies good learning. So I, th- I think that's where this evolution needs to really go. And so, yeah, things like Zoom, like, again, it's just, it's a tool to facilitate conversation. And that that's not wonderful when you got a bunch of students. That's really hard, right? It's good for this. You and me, right, right? Aside from that, it starts breaking down pretty quickly. So I think I think the tools need to help teachers maximize efficiency to then promote, you know, more practicality and more, more on hands type of learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even the idea just like as sort of a footnote, cause it's like a, a pet peeve of mine is like, you know, recording podcasts like this on zoom, like, isn't really a great experience. Like it's just sort of a like afterthought (laughs) we're like, yeah, I guess you could record it like whatever. Like, so like I use different platforms to record podcasts and stuff in a more high quality way. And I think, that's an idea where it's like, it really just does like, it's like for all intents and purposes, it is really a single function tool. So it's like, you need something that like just has a far more robust experience in terms of, you know, audio, video recording. And, you know, there's all this other stuff I haven't even touched yet, which I'm like excited to like in platforms like this, where you can like edit and produce and all that. So, um, yeah. So I think it's, uh, definitely a very interesting time, very excited for the potential for ed tech and, uh, for higher ed, but 
Uh, as we wind down, we always like to give an opportunity for our guests to share any resources, whether it's from their organization or other stuff that's catching their attention, you know, and if it's uh, related to this topic. But um, yeah, stuff we can include in the show notes. No, it's great. It's a great thought. I think we are going to be pushing out some free tools over the next few months. I know that's not right now, but in terms of resources, we, we've we just had so many teachers that can't even use SpeechCloud due to limitations on money, right? Limitations from departments, stuff like that. So um, like I said, I know it's not right now, but in the next few months, come come check us out before you know fall semester is you know after summer. The hope is we will have tools to help you better teach your class. You know, quick polls, attendance tracking. Like we're trying to give a lot of these things away for free, so uh, teachers can't have this have this value. Uh, so I, I think that that would be resources on my side. And the last thing is just you're, you're welcome to reach out, right? I. I'm really passionate about education, but specifically accessibility. I, and so if there's something in regards to how you can make your classroom accessible, we're not the only ones, right? Like we are the only ones that do all the things that I described, but there's some really great tools out there that you can at least start trying to implement to make your classroom a better experience for students that I think that that's always the first step. So reach out. I'm happy to, happy to share anything I know as well as just point people in the right direction. I think that's the, the most value I can give. Yeah, beautiful. I appreciate you making yourself available as a resource. And uh, certainly, yeah, I guess folks should, uh, you know, I don't know if you have like a newsletter or just like, you know, follow you on social media. We, to- we do have a newsletter. Yeah, we have a social media, um, all that stuff. It's I'm, I'm not the most vocal person. I, I'm trying to be better. It's the reason why we're talking here, Dust. <laughs> but uh, but we do have all those things with SpeechCloud. But you're also, you can reach out on LinkedIn, you know, Cameron Stoker. Happy to Happy to chat as well. Curious, just sort of how you'll take this, just a final thought or call to action on this topic to wrap everything up and end the episode. So floor is yours. Yeah, I guess my final call to action would be, of course, go check SpeechCloud out. We'd love, we're always looking for teachers to come, you know, implement SpeechCloud, be the first ones at their school, help us help us make, you know, a change and help us start thinking about how ed tech uh, can really affect your classroom. So that, that of course, is, you know, one last call out is is yeah come check us out come reach out we'd love to see if speech class is a good fit for your class awesome well i appreciate you uh sharing all that you did you're doing the good work here with your team and uh yeah just taking the time out and uh yeah we'll have ways to connect with you and speech cloud in the show notes but yeah it's great talking to you Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.